Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. Well, this message that we're going to talk about is being reckless in the hunt for thankfulness. Being reckless in the hunt for thankfulness especially in times of trouble. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about here tonight. And so, it's kind of interesting how, you know, we have Thanksgiving, right? We eat this amazing meal. We have so much fun. And those that prepare it spend all this time, all day long, sometimes the day before setting it all up, right? Put all this work into preparing all this amazing food. And when it's all prepared, the way that we show thankfulness or gratitude towards it is we just say, you know, like, oh, my gosh, honey, that turkey was off the chain, huh? That's the best turkey I've ever had. That pumpkin pie was amazing, right? So what we're doing, showing gratification and showing thankfulness for all the hard work and all the effort. And what happens is, that thankfulness allows that person to say, it was worth it. It was worth all the trouble, all the effort, because I wanted to bless you guys, right? I wanted to bless my husband, stay up and cook all this food to make him happy. So we're kind of exchanging, right? And so I'm going to express to you guys tonight two of the most powerful words in all of mankind. Or thank you. Simple words, right? But I would say they're probably the most powerful words in all of mankind. And so I'm going to show you how simple it is, okay? Hi. I don't know your name, sir. Jared? Charlie. Hey, Charlie. I want to, uh, I want to thank you for coming tonight, Charlie. You know, you could have been somewhere else tonight. You chose to come here. I hang out with us and tribe, and uh, you have amazing gifts. I love your smile, and it's infectious. And I want to thank you for being a part of what we're doing. I want to thank you that you're in my life. You're part of my life. You bring things to the table I don't have, and I'm thankful for you, Charlie. Thank you for coming. Okay, something that simple, right? But many times we pass on those opportunities. And it's all around you. And really being thankful and saying thank you is an outward and an upward expression. It's a way of saying, you're more important to me than myself, Charlie. I'm going to reach out to you and tell you how awesome you are because you're more important than me. It's, it's almost like a, a gift, it's an expression of humility. It's what it is. And so, it's so easy to miss those opportunities to be able to just walk up and say, thank you. And so we're going to talk about a little bit more about how important it is to have a thankful heart and to be reckless in your hunt for thankfulness. 
So the government, it issues um, kind of a week of Thanksgiving. I think it was Lincoln that actually said on the fourth Thursday of every November, we're going to celebrate Thanksgiving, okay? And so we have a week of Thanksgiving. And so my question to you guys tonight, what would be a divine so-called Thanksgiving Day? Anybody want to try that one? A divine Thanksgiving Day. Some of us could say it was last Thursday. Well, that wouldn't be a wrong answer. Okay, so what I'd like you all to do is turn to Daniel 6.10. We're going to look at this a minute. And as you guys are turning and getting with your phones or whatever to Daniel, and I'm going to turn there myself, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, the preface of this story. So Daniel is under the uh, a king by the name of King Doris during this time at this, you know, in Daniel 6. King Doris is the king, and uh, he's recognized the talent and the gifts that Daniel has. And uh, he knows he's anointed. He knows he's special. So he's really close to actually promoting him uh, as you know, over, overseer of the entire empire, okay? He knows how gifted Daniel is. And so some of the scribes and, and all the princes and, and people that are actually underneath the king recognize the favor that the king has on Daniel, okay? And so they conspire and they come together and we're like, we're going to try to take Daniel out. And so they go to the king, they go to King Doris and say, Hail to the king. You are amazing, king. You're, you're incredible. And we'd like to propose that for 30 days, that all the people, all the people, would only pray to you and not pray to anything else that is divine or human, but only pray to to you because they knew the kind of man that Daniel was right and so they conspire to the king and in in his haughtiness and arrogance he says yeah great idea I want everybody to pray pray only to me right so he signs this off as law and then later on they trap Daniel we'll come back to the 10th and 6th and the 10th verse it basically says but Daniel when he learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down, as usual, in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem, and he prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to God. So Daniel knew the law that was already passed by the king. He knew the consequences that if anybody found Daniel praying to any other god, they'd have been thrown to the lions. So Daniel, in the midst of looking into the teeth of lions, said, no way I compromise. I'm not going to be anybody that who I am before my God. And my God is bigger than any law 
or any decree that is set before me. Well, Daniel immediately, knowing all these things, he, he didn't pray, he didn't thank God once. He did it three times a day. So Thanksgiving Day is not a specific day of the year. It's an everyday, all the time day in our life, our time in our life, that we should be expressing thanksgiving to our God and our Savior. There's so much for us to be thankful for. And I just love the fact that it was in the midst of hardcore opposition. I mean, we're talking life or death. And Daniel said, you know what, my God's bigger than all these things. And I'm going to give praise to my Lord in thanksgiving. So then, let's go over here to Psalms 50. I'd like to look, and let's look at what God thinks about thanksgiving, how he feels about it. So it's Psalms 50, 14 through 15. And so what God's basically saying here, he's talking to people that have, you know, constantly giving sacrifices, blood sacrifices before the Lord to show the Lord how much they love him and, for, and ask for forgiveness of sin, right? So when God's talking, he's saying, look, Thank you, that's good. Thank you for all your sacrifices. I appreciate all that. But the thing that I will most, I don't want your, the blood of your goats or, or your lambs or your bulls or whatever, or your doves. I don't want any of that. I just want one thing. Okay, and he comes back and he says right here in uh, 14 and 15, he says, what I want instead is your true thanks to God. I want you to fulfill your vows to the Most High God. Trust me in your times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. Isn't that cool? He's like, I don't really care about all these things, these religious things that you want to do before me. I don't care about any of that. I want a true, thankful heart, not one that might be... Uh, expressed in the front of others or just, you know, the religious thing to, to maybe do, but maybe when it's in your quiet time, when you're by yourself, in your closet, in your prayer closet, where we can just cry out to the Lord and tell him how thankful we are for all that he's done in our life. And so the Lord basically talks about that as being a sacrifice of thanksgiving. That he wants a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Why is it a sacrifice? Why should it be called a sacrifice? I ask myself that question. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. Well, as I thought about it, this is what I kind of came up with. I think that it's, it's like this. Even when all your needs are not met, even then when all your prayers are not answered, we still give thanks to God, right? Even when things are not going perfect or the way we'd like them to go, do circumstances dictate how we feel towards our Father? See, it's a trust relationship. It's based completely on trust. 
And that's what thankfulness, true thankfulness, is really all about, true thankfulness. It's, listen, when, when we're on the mountaintops, right, it's easy to raise your hands and give thanks. And glorify God. You know, everything's wonderful. But what happens when we're in a valley? What's the first thing usually that happens when we're in times of trouble in the valleys? What happens? Fear, right? Worry, strife immediately comes on us. That's our response. It's like a habit. It's a bad habit, but it's almost like the enemy wants to put that kind of lie into us. A desperation of there's no hope. Right? And so, I want to talk about that a minute. Because all of us know that's a wrong response. So, I want to, I want to talk about this and I want to call this a state of thanksgiving. Maintaining a state of thanksgiving that's not um, altered at all by circumstances, okay? So it's being thankful to God for what he's already accomplished in our life. Okay, now that's a little bit different. You know, the blessings that God has for us, all the goodness that God has for us, it's available to us. It's already ours. If we're acting as sons and daughters of God, those gifts are already ours. When he said it was finished on the cross, there wasn't anything he left out. Nothing. All the things before, all the things today, and all the things tomorrow, he accomplished. There was nothing he left undone. And so I think many of us, I mean, this might sound like Kind of like a name it, claim it, right? And, and I'm going to say it is. I'm going to say it is name it, claim it. I'm going to say it's call out the word of God, which is his promise, as part of your inheritance, as a child of God, lay hold of it. Claim it. It's, it's yours. It's part of your inheritance as a child of God. And so, I'm going to ask you not to be a beggar anymore. Come to the table like a son or a daughter, like a child of God. We don't have to beg for our food. It's provision that he's given to us. Why? Because he loves us more than we could ever know or could ever imagine. So, all we have to do is receive and say, thank you, Lord. It's just receive. Anybody ever have any problems or issues in praying for yourself? I find it so much easier praying for somebody else than praying for myself. Okay? So what I did is I wrote a prayer as if I had sickness on me. And this is what I feel like as a son this prayer should sound like. Okay? And I'm going to change your way of thinking, hopefully, and how you petition God for his goodness. Okay? And I wrote this down, and the reason why is because I didn't want to miss any of the words. 
because words spoken out of your mouth are so important. Right? So important. So here's the prayer that I wrote for myself. Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. This affliction or disease that has approached me does not line up with your promise. Your word, which I trust, says, by your stripes, I am healed. Your death on the cross was sufficient. The blood you shed in your love for me covers this disease. And I thank you for my healing. In Jesus' name, amen. So what you're doing, really you're sacrificing a state of physical feeling that's that you're feeling this, right? You're feeling it physically, but you're sacrificing that feeling for trust in God's promise. You see how different that is? You're not begging for, for something that, that God might possibly give you and hope. You're laying claim to it because it's already happened. It's a different way of petitioning God, like a son or a daughter a child of God. We're not to be beggars anymore. I'm sorry? Repeat the prayer. Okay. It's Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness. This affliction or disease that has approached me does not line up with your promise. Your word, which I trust, says by your stripes I am healed. Your death on the cross was sufficient. The blood you shed in your love for me covers this disease and I thank you for my healing in Jesus name Amen I hope that strikes a chime in some people's heart because it's been a big time revelation for me so many times in life as a young man growing up I didn't really know how to approach God I didn't feel worthy, right? I lived in shame many times, especially when sin. But I'm here to tell you, that's not how we're supposed to be. We have a loving Father that is full of forgiveness. And we want to approach Him like a son or a daughter. That's how we want to approach Him. Okay, let's go to Philippians 4.4 real quick. Okay, we set the stage for you on this real quick. So, we're talking about adversity sometimes. Well, Paul, when he's writing this letter, is in jail. He's in prison. <laughs> okay, he's, he's got the death sentence on him. 
But this is, this is what he has to say while he's in prison. So Philippians 4, 4, and we're going to carry on here a little bit. It says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything, Lee. Tell God what you need and thank him for it because it's already done. I need to read that again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's already done. In this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Well, this is Paul when he's in jail, the death sentence, and he's saying, look, this, this is how it should be, all right? I love the word rejoice. And so what I did is I looked up some other words that express what rejoice is. And what, what I found, I found joy, delight, happiness, celebration, thankfulness, jubilation, merrymaking, and so on and so forth. So he says, you know, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. So that should be our constant attitude towards our Father. Always full of joy, always full of celebration, right? Because of what he's done. Not what he hadn't done, what he's done. Y'all getting it? Okay. All right. And so what happens is prayer and thankfulness become partners. Okay, and it, it talks about, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's already done. So instead of worrying in times of trouble, when we've got hard times here in front of us, God says pray, okay, and I'll give you peace. Pray and then give, have thanksgiving, and I will give you peace that passes all understanding. And I'm telling you, peace is such a wonderful thing. When, when the enemy comes on you and wants to put stress and worry and trouble on you and anxiety, and the peace of God falls, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. God can't work many times when, see, fear is the opposite of faith. And when fear comes, there's no trust. There's no trust in God anymore, right? But when you can just settle and begin to pray and thank God, for what he's done. The peace of God comes, and then, his, and then his blessings follow, just the way it is. And so if we go further here, we're going to keep reading a minute, and we're going to talk about how do you prepare and how do you set up your house. Because... It's easy to talk about, you know, the goodness of God and having a, a heart of thanksgiving. But our part 
is we've got to set our mind and our hearts right. And sometimes that can be very, very challenging. So what does it look like? He comes out and he says, okay, this is Paul speaking. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about the things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing. And God and the God of peace will be with you. So the challenging part of that, okay, is what surrounds us all the time, right? And so maintaining pure thoughts when you've got TV, you've got internet, you've got conversation with people, you've got movies, you've got all these things that are downloading on you all the time. And I promise you it's not too positive. Sometimes it's not. It's very misleading, tantalizing, okay? And it almost looks like an impossible task to maintain these type of thoughts, right, that God's saying to think about. But it's habit. It's really habit. You know what? If it takes turning off the TV for a while, then maybe we need to do that. And... and the internet that we think is so important, maybe we need to turn that off too. It's drawing you from God. Because, listen, we've got to maintain this temple. I've, you've heard that expression before that uh, when somebody says something re really profound, they say, shut the front door. You ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? I love that expression. Shut the front door. And I'm like, man, that's perfect, Right? Shut the front door to your heart and to your mind. Do not allow the enemy to lie to you anymore. Because, listen, he's lurking all the time to put these thoughts in your ear, to draw you away from the promise, the truth. It's, he's always there. He's always waiting for some little tiny opening to sow a lie unto you. What is a lie? You want me to tell you what a lie is? Anything, I'm saying anything that doesn't line up with the Word of God is a lie. That's a lie. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's a lie. You know what? That word may come from somebody of authority in your life. All right? It may come from a friend or family. It may come from a doctor. Somebody that is a person of authority, a teacher. And the word might be spoken. And, if it, and, and so the Lord says, hold every word captive. Right? Talks about it in 2 Corinthians 10.5. Hold every word captive, he says. Why? Because you don't want to embrace things that are not truth. Because when you embrace it, like for instance, a doctor says, uh, you know what, oh Joe, he's got cancer. And what do we do? We go to Paul over here and we say, you know, Joe's got cancer. All right? Well, you know what? That might be a medical fact. It might be something that, that's been examined 
And the doctor may say, yeah, he's got cancer cells anyway. He's got cancer. Okay. But let me tell you something. God has the final word. All right? Always has the final word. That, that doesn't line up with, with what the Lord says in the word. Because the word says, above all things, I wish that you prosper and be in good health. That's what the word says. I think I'll take that. I think I'll take that to Job that's just been spoken upon and said, you, you've got cancer. I mean, the C word is devastating. When I hear it, it's like, oh, man, right? But it's not the final word. So it's very important for us to hold every word captive, even those that have authority in our life. It could even be a pastor, right? So it's important. God has the final word, always. I had two guys that I wanted to leave you guys with some examples here. There's a fellow by the name of David Pratchell back in high school. This guy, he's probably 6'3", weighed 300 if he weighed a pound. He was huge, okay? And this guy, I never heard him say a foul word. He was like the offensive tackle, okay? And huge guy. Always had a smile on his face. And it used to drive my coach insane, okay? And, and I had one of those old school Vince Lombardi type of football coaches, you know, and many times <laughs> he'd grab Pratchell by the face mask and shake him by the face mask and, what's it going to take to get you mad, Pratchell? And Pratchell just be standing there, you know, grinning. And he's, wipe that smile off your face. Pratchell just... That's all he knew to do, right? That was who David Pratchell was. He was a man that wasn't going to compromise who he was. Even in the midst of a coach shouting him down. It's like, uh-uh, this is who I am. I'm still going to smile. I don't care who you are. This is who I am. I've never forgot that guy. I'd like to see him again someday because he's profound Vision in my mind is the way it should look, right? Another fellow, this guy by the name of Fred Hammond, older gentleman that I worked for in South Dallas. He had about a thousand acre ranch. It used to be a cattle ranch, okay? This guy was pretty successful, and so he, uh, he thought he got this great idea, and all the people in all these people across the country were talking about ostrich farms, right? And how you know, ostrich is a new white meat, a new healthy meat. And so we're not going to eat beef anymore. We're going to eat ostrich, okay? And so he's like, man, I'm, I'm on. Let's go. Game on. Let's, let's build this big ostrich farm, and, and we're going you know, to be on top of the game here because we're going to be the one that's got all the, the meat to sell, right? And, uh, and I'm like, whoa, man, this is a big move. I'm, I'm seeing all this go down. I'm like, man, if this doesn't happen, this could be, tough for this guy, right? And so every morning, we worked for this guy for probably three weeks straight, just doing odds and ends landscaping, right? So every morning, I'd see this guy, and I'd say, Fred, how you doing? And his response was the exact same every time. And you know what it was? Fantastic! I'm like, wow, it's not just good, it's fantastic. And I'd think that to myself. I'd ask Fred the next morning, Fred, how's it going, buddy? F 
fantastic, right? And I'm like, whoa, this guy is one of the most positive-minded guys I've ever been around. And he's always upbeat, always excited, right? Didn't matter whether the ostriches were tanking or what. It was fantastic, right? And so finally, I just had to do it. I'm like, Fred, why is it always fantastic? Why? And he said, because I choose for it to be fantastic. That's why. So Fred had developed an attitude, right? An attitude of, of how he looked at things. And it was a fantastic attitude about life. Why can't we do that? That should be a challenge. There's no reason that we shouldn't have that type of attitude, right? To have a fantastic attitude towards everything. Because you know what? We serve a great God. And there's no limitations on what God has for us. Absolutely nothing. I'm going to wrap this up with one more verse. You don't even have to turn to it. In its own um, Psalms 100. And Psalms 100 says, You enter his gates with thanksgiving, and you go into his courts with praise. And so, what I'd like to say is that his praise and his courts are his presence. Those two go together. When you're in a state of praise, you're in his presence, right? But the gates represent spiritual promotion. So the Lord says, you enter my gates with thanksgiving. You want, anybody in here want a spiritual promotion tonight? Right? All of us want spiritual promotion. What God is saying is, you enter my gates with thanksgiving. It's a, it's a new level. It's a new realm in the spirit. That's what it is. So I'm going to give you a small example of what that looks like. So this is just an example. This is not what happened. So, so my son comes to me, and it's, thank, it's, it's a graduation, Okay. And uh, he's graduated from high school, and I'm all proud of him, and I've, I've taken care of him. You know, don't have a tremendous amount of money, but I did all I could do. Bought him a 1974 pickup truck. Got a few dents on a little bit of rust here and there, but the truck runs. It's a good truck, right? It felt like it was the best gift I could give. And I'm proud to be able to give it to him. So I'll come up to my son and say, son, way to go, buddy. So proud of you. You graduated. Look, man, here's the keys to your Ford truck. And he looks at those keys, and he goes, uh, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I really, Dad, I kind of had my eyes on the Ferrari, the red Ferrari. That's what I really wanted. And uh, 74 truck. Uh so as a father, as a good father, what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm going to go, man, you're not even thankful for what I've given you? I'm sure not going to give you the red Ferrari. That ain't going to happen. 
As a matter of fact, you know I'm thankful for the truck. I'll go ahead and keep it too. And so if you think about the Father, all the blessings, right, that he's poured out on every one of us here tonight, the fact that we're a child of God and we're chosen, that we have our salvation, game over. Not, it doesn't take anything else from me. I get to spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. That's something to hoop and holler about, right? So the message is, is that we need to be content in the blessings of God that are on our life and being thankful for what God has already done. Because if you're not, there's not going to be a promotion. There's not going to be more. And God is the God of more. I promise you that it depends on our attitude and our countenance. If we have a countenance of thanksgiving, of the blessings that are in our life, God's going to promote us. That's just the way it is. So I hope things that, uh, I hope there's some things you guys can take home with you uh, that we talked about uh, here tonight. I really felt like God told me that there's going to be a change of heart and a few people here tonight. Um, and I hope that's happened. Um, I'm very appreciative to have had the opportunity to come up and, and talk. Man, this, the family of tribe is, is really special. There's a comfort here, right? We're family. We can trust each other. We can be vulnerable. We can do crazy things together. That's who we are. I'd like to say we're the most loving family in, in this whole community. So it's time to ask for offering. And to me, that's, that's a special opportunity for me to be able to show the Lord how much I love him, to be able to give out of all the blessings that are in my life and show thanksgiving to God. Uh, what an amazing opportunity that we can do that. And you know, it's an area that God says, the only place in the whole Bible that God says, test me in your giving. Test me and see that I don't multiply back to you tenfold a hundred times. You cannot give God. It's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. I'm testimony of that. He just always continues to give back. So, um, I don't know what the, the text is. It's not up here. What's, what's that? It's on the connect card. The text number, if you want to do it by text, you can give by text. Ushers, y'all can come forward. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you, Lord, that we can be called your children. And, Lord, the opportunity to give thanks to you, Lord, for all you've done. You're such a blessing to us, Lord. You love us so much. We just thank you, Lord, for everything that is in us, Lord. It's not going to be one day, a year, anymore. It's going to be at least three times a day, and all the time 
heart of thanksgiving, Lord, towards you and the blessings in our life. Lord, we cheerfully give to you. We're so thankful for who you are in our life. And in this church, Lord, the, the vibe that you've given this church for the lost, the downtrodden love. We reach out with all of our hearts, Lord, to touch those that are less fortunate, to touch those, Lord, that possibly don't know you, never had a chance to feel the love of a father, and never had a chance to understand how important they really are. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.